I'm just going to do the reading. Um, and it's Psalm 73, and it's from the NIV. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure, and I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Um, thank you, Christine. Um, I think this is a great psalm, and we could finish here just reading the psalm because it's such a powerful psalm. And so clear. And yeah, so today we have before us this uh, Psalm 73. Uh, by the way, I'm growing a little beer because I find out that Spurgeon said that growing a beer is a biblical thing to do. <laughs> I, I don't know where Bible verse says that, but if Spurgeon said it. <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah, so we have this uh, Psalm 73. And this is one of the 12 Psalms uh, written by Asaph. And Asaph, he was one uh, Levite, commissioned by King. Uh, he was uh, by King David. He was commissioned to 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 sing songs. So he's around the time of um, King David and Solomon. And actually, when the Temple of Solomon uh, was dedicated to God, he's one of the guys that uh, perform during the dedication of uh, of Solomon's temple as we could read in 2 Chronicles 5, 11-14. So he was there uh, with other musicians, with other priests, and praising God and singing, God is good, his love endures forever, 
until the Bible says that they had to stop because they have to stop the service because the temple was filled with a cloud and in that cloud was the presence of God. So Asaph, he was someone that win witnessed a great things from God. So he, he was a man of God. He was one of the leaders in, in the temple. He, he knew God in a, in a deep way, in a personal way. Uh, he had experienced amazing things from God during his life. Um, and he knew that God is good and he knew that God's love endures forever. Nevertheless, in this psalm, um, we can see that Asaph is going through a personal crisis of faith at the beginning of the psalm. And something great about the Bible is that the Bible is brutally honest about the human condition. And it was written by people like you and me who struggle with different, different areas of their lives. And normal people with physical problems, with emotional problems, uh, but still God inspired them and God used them to, to write this book uh, that we have in our hands today, a collection of 66 books. <laughs> so this book was written by normal people like you and me, like people like Asaph, that they experience God, but sometimes during their life they, they struggle also uh, in, in the walk with God. So I, I remember one day I was listening to a Muslim friend talking, and he was saying that he couldn't believe the Bible was God's war because many prophets in the Bible fail in incredible ways, uh, committing adultery, killing, lying, running away from God, having suicidal thoughts, denying God, etc. He said the real God wouldn't, wouldn't choose that kind of people. Uh, to write his holy book for the humankind. Therefore, the Bible, according to this uh, Muslim guy, couldn't be God's word. But actually, the writers of the Bible, as I'm saying, they were people like you and like me, with the same weaknesses that we got. They, they had the same struggles that we got today, and that's because the human condition is the same today than 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. Uh, many, many years ago, since our ancestors Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Uh, we are fallen creatures with fallen hearts uh, in need of being rescued by a savior. Therefore, I will say to my Muslim friend that actually having people like us reading the Bible uh, doesn't disprove the Bible, but on the contrary, I think it reinforces its credibility because the writers of the Bible uh, were people like us, uh, but inspired by a merciful God who wants to show everyone the reality of the human heart and our need for a savior. So even the writers of the Bible, they needed to be rescued, they needed to be saved. We are not perfect people, but we are fallen people that need to be saved. And here we have the Psalmist Asaph. He was a man like us who believed in a personal God, who worshiped God. He was one of the worshipers the temple, one of the leaders. Um, but nevertheless, we can see in verses 1 and 2, Psalm 73, it says that his feet might almost slipped. He nearly, he nearly lost his foothold. And I guess many of us here today, we have been sometimes in that kind of situation that although we know God, although we love God, although we know that God is good, sometimes we feel that our feet are almost uh, slipping away, that we are almost about to fall, that we are tempted to give up, to follow God, 
We are tempted even to stop being Christian sometimes. And if we are honest, living as a Christian is not an easy thing to do because we live in a world where the evil is increasing more and more. So turning the other cheek is not easy. Loving our enemies is not easy. But we are called to that. And so sometimes we, we may struggle like Asaph struggle, and we may face this kind of temptations like, oh, is, is this fair, God, what is going on? So Asaph, the reason for Asaph's struggle was a bit, well, it was a very specific reason, actually, for, for him. He could see wicked and arrogant people around him, people that didn't know God, personally, people that didn't love God, people that lived their lives uh, as they please. But still, they, they saw that many of these persons, they prosper, uh, they were happy, they didn't have uh, uh, problems uh, with health, with money. And, and Asa was really struggling to see that. How is possible? Is this fair, God? I, I follow you, I worship you, and I'm struggling so much. But I see people around me, and they seem so happy. They don't care about you. They even curse heaven sometimes, but they still they seem so happy. They don't have problems. So th that was the, the problem of Asaph. He was struggling with that with that those, those kind of thoughts. He says in verse three and four of Psalm seventy-three, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have not the struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. And then in verse eight, Asaph says. They scoff and speak with malice. They even speak against God, says in verse 9 and 11. But people follow them, says in verse 10. And without any problem, they increase their wealth. God, this is unfair, God. How can you allow something like this to happen, God? Then in verse 13 and 14, it says, Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been I have been punished every morning. Is it worth it to be a Christian? God, in vain, I'm trying to be pure. I'm trying to wash my hands in innocence. Because I see around me so many people, they don't care about you, and they seem so happy. They don't have problems. And look at me, God. I'm suffering, I'm struggling, although I know you. Is this, I don't think this is fair, God. So Asaph was going through these kind of thoughts. Do we, f do we feel like Esav sometimes? <laughs> I will say that probably we do. Maybe even now we feel a bit like that. Maybe some of us maybe are going through some of these kind of thoughts now. But we don't want to share with others the struggles about our faith because we don't want to create doubt in others. So we try to understand th these things with our own mind. And that's what Esav did. Um, but they become heavy burden. That's in verse 15 and 16. Asaph says, if I have said, I will speak thus. He said, if I have said, I will speak about my struggles with others. He says, I will have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. So Asaph is a leader in the temple. He's going through problems in his walk with God. He's struggling, but he says, I'm not gonna speak. I'm gonna keep it for myself. I don't understand what is going on. I'm gonna try to understand with my mind, with my reason, but I don't want to share with others because I don't want others, I don't want to create doubts in other people because they look to me, I'm a leader here. I have to keep my doubts and my struggles just for me. So Esav was struggling on his own, as keeping this for his heart and trying to understand with his mind, but he said that that was 
it was oppressive for him just to be on his own thinking about these kind of things on his own. So we can see here the honesty of the of the psalmist, how he's struggling. Um, he was struggling, but he didn't want to share with others his doubts. He didn't want to question God uh, in front of others. So the truth is that we have limitations to fully understand the things around us using only our reason. Using uh, the human reason is limited. We cannot understand everything that is going around us. Um, so we don't see the whole picture of what is really going going on in the spiritual world, uh, the real, the whole picture of the human condition. And when we try to do it only with our mind, we fail. Especially in spiritual matters, we, we fail. One illustration about this is that if you are in front of a house, you can see the height of the house and the width, width, width of the house. Width? The width of the house. <laughs> So with your reason, you may speculate about how big is that house. Uh, you can say, if it's this height and this width, it may be like this or like that. Or, uh, but actually, until the owner of the house doesn't open the door and invite you to go in, and you don't see the length of the house, it's impossible for you to know how big is that house. Uh, so when we use only our reason, we are limited. We, we see only the surface. To see the, the real picture, what is really going on, we, we need to go in. Um, God, the owner of the house, he needs to open the door for us and to see what is really going on. That because he's the, the one that really understands uh, the human exist, uh, the problem of, of, of the human heart, the problem of the human exis existence. And so, what 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 what's it, what's God's perspective? Uh, God, he can see the things from eternity. That's God's perspective. We don't see the things from an from eternal point of view. But God, he's outside time, so he can see everything from an eternal point of view. He sees our lives at the li and the lives of the wicked from an eternal point of view. And from that perspective, the picture is different. Having access to a deeper truth that we don't have use using only our human reason. The psalmist Asaph, he realized of this when he came into the presence of the Lord, as he writes in verse 17 to 19. He says, Till I enter the sanctuary of God, then I understood the their final destiny. Surely you place them on a slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. So when we look from the point of view of God, the picture is different. From, eternal, from an eternal point of view, the destiny of the wicked people is ruin, destruction, and terrors. They are the ones that are really in a slippery grounds. They are the ones that really they, they fit in any moment. Uh, they can fall in any moment and be totally destroyed. They are tricked, tricked, tricked by Satan, thinking that their existence is only about what they, they can get during this life. They think that the only important thing is what I, what my eyes can see, um, what I can get during these 60, 70, 80 years. They think life is only about that. They, they, they cannot see the whole picture. They are the ones that are really in the in the slippery um, floor. So I, w I would like to show you a, a little video now, and it's it's, it's from a from a film. Uh, it's this man. Uh, he's a man that he's a very successful man. And 
he's not a Christian, but his mom is a Christian. So, but his mom is is suffering of dementia. So actually, his mom is not; she's not able to recognize his son even uh, at that point. Um, but he goes to visit her, and and yeah, you you will see. Yeah, you will see what. Yeah, he was uh, quite shocked <laughs> to listen to his mom uh, talking like that. So it seems that the film was to show that God is talking through through this woman at that point to that man. So we we have uh, 1,000 years after Asaph, uh, Jesus said in Mark 8, 8.36, what good, is, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet for their soul? Jesus, he could see from the eternal perspective. So from an eternal perspective, gaining the whole world during this life is senseless. If by doing so, if by doing so we lost our soul for eternity. That's, that's a key issue, um, that uh, the world is, is, is missing. They don't understand that point because they don't see from this eternal perspective. So living this life without taking God into account, even for those who are very successful people, at the end of the day, is meaningless because everything they have lived, everything they have lived for, will be undone. Everything they have been building during their life will be destroyed. When we build things outside God's will, it's not going to remain. So it's meaningless. It's senseless. Ecclesiastes one, two to three says, "Meaningless, meaningless," says the teacher, "utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless." What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Jesus, Jesus said that building a life outside God's will is like building a house on the sun. When the, when the end comes, the house will fall with a great crash. In Matthew 7, 27, and then suddenly destroyed and completely swept away. Jesus also su suggested that storing what treasures on, uh, on earth is meaningless because either moth and vermin will destroy them or thieves will break into us and steal them. But we cannot fully grasp these truths about eternity until we come to God. It's only when we come to the owner of the house, when the door is open to us, that we can understand this truth. This tru when we come to the creator of the universe in prayer, then we can see the reality from God's point of view. That was the turning point for Asaph. Coming into God's presence, he realized of the truth about those who don't know God personally as their, as their Lord. About the meaningless of their lives from an, from an eternal perspective. But at the same time, Asaph also realized of the truth about himself. So it's <laughs> coming to God. It's like God helps you to see around what is going on from eternal point of view, the uh, wider perspective, but it also helps you to, to see what is going on inside your heart <laughs> from within. So Hesaph, he realized the truth about himself. He realized that feeling envy for the arrogant and for, and for the prosperity of the wicked was grown. And regretting of living a life according to God's will was grown. He said, oh, in vain, I have to keep my hands uh, in innocence, uh, when he comes into God's presence, he realized that's grown. Uh, we shouldn't regret to follow God. Uh, so he needed to confess his sin before God. And he did it, as we read in verse 21 and 22 of Psalm 73. 
He says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute, brute beast before you. And after his confession, Asaph realized that even when he was facing all that bitterness in his heart, even when he was thinking in a senseless and faithless way, from just from the world, uh, from the world point of view, from a, like a sec, just a secular way, even at that point, God was still with. Uh, he was still with God, and even more important, God was still with him. God was still holding his right hand and guiding him, as we read in verse 23 and 24. He says, "Yet I am always with you. You hold you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory." I know afterward, when I die, you will take me with you into glory for eternity. I will be with you in heaven. It's not that amazing. If you know God personally, even though you may be in a slippery place, even though you may be tempted to give up, even though you may be facing temptations and doubts, even though you may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even then, you can be sure that God is there with you. And that's, that's, that's great. Holding you by your right hand and guiding you uh, it was with Asaph. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you because he is a faithful God who loves us even when we are unfaithful. That's great. Is that, is that not amazing? Christians, we, we have such a great and loving God, such a faithful and wonderful God. There is not other God like the Christian God. It's not other God like our God. When we get this truth about the faithfulness of our God, we can join um, Asaph. Uh, in Psalm 73 and verse 25. This is a great verse to, to memorize. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. That's a great verse we can memorize. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Can we say that with Asaph? Do we understand the depth of this verse? The psalmist is saying, okay, Lord, I get it now. The most important thing in this life is my relationship with you. That's what really matters. God and our relationship with him should be our priority. We should set our lives on him in no one else, in nothing else. He should be our first love and our first desire. Because as we read in 1 John 2.17, the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Do you want to live forever? Follow God and his will. <laughs> and even if your flesh and your heart fail, God will be your strength. He will be your portion forever. As we read in Psalm 73, verse 26. There are only two alternatives in this life, and I think we know them. <laughs> we can follow God, or we can be far away from God. It's not either way there are only two ways um, but what happens for those who are far away from God as we read in the first part of verse 27 those who are far from you will perish that's the truth if we are far away from God if we don't know the God of life we'll perish if we want eternal life we need to to know the God of life apart from God there is no alternative for eternity as Jesus said, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but the small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a, a few find it. 
in Matthew 7. Asaph uh, finish, he finishes the Psalm 73 with the verse 28 where he, where he writes, but, uh, but as for me, it is good to be near God. For me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell all of your deeds. And it's when we realize of this great God we have, we, we cannot keep it just for ourselves. I will tell to others of your great deeds because there is no salvation but only in you. There is no safe refuge but only in you. We, we cannot keep it for ourselves. Uh, we have to share it with others. Asaph had envy of those who prosper in this life and are arrogant and wicked until he came into the presence of the Lord. Then he understood the final destiny of them, a destiny of destruction and terror. Therefore, Asa finishes the psalm saying, for me, it is good to be near God. And this loving and faithful God will be my refuge. Is this loving and faithful God your refuge today? Do you know him personally? As we said before, life without God is meaningless because everything we build in this life without taking God into account is like building on the sand. And sooner or later it will collapse. But if God is your refuge and you set your heart on him, you will be like that wise man who built his house upon the rock. And when the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, it didn't fall because it has its, its foundation on the rock. So we read in Matthew 7, 25. Where are you building your life? Where are we building our lives? Upon the sand of the desires of this world that pass away? Or upon the rock of the will of God that, that lasts forever? Jesus, he is the living rock. We are Christians, we build our lives. We read in 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. Because only Jesus has the words of eternal life. So that's why we build our lives on him. He, he is the rock. Therefore, if you are a Christian already, keep going with Jesus and fix your eyes upon him. And not on the success of arrogant people or on the prosperity of the wicked. Remember that Jesus is preparing a place for you in heaven, in his father's house, for your eternal life. And if you are not a Christian yet, I invite you to have that, turn, that turning point in your life. It can be today, it can be right now. Coming before Jesus and confessing your need of him, asking him to forgive, to forgive you for living all your life far away from him, far away from the source of life. Be wise and build your life upon Jesus uh, because he is the living rock. He's the unshakable refuge that we can trust for this life and for eternity. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. Yeah. Let's pray. And yes, thank you, thank you, Father, for for this amazing truth. Thanks because you can see um, the future uh, now. You can see the eternity now. And thanks because we have access to this uh, truth uh, through you. Thanks for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Thanks because eternal life is to know you and to know the one you send, Jesus Christ. Thank you because the door is still open for us to come to you if we don't know you yet. And thanks because you are coming back to take the church with you one day and take us uh, to that place in heaven where we will be with uh, the Father and where every tear will be wiped out and will be always in your presence.
your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Through that, your rock that we can stand on, God. Um,